Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Exodus 12, verse 31. Thank you, Minister Micah. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Arise and go from the people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone. Everybody say, be gone. Be gone and bless me also. These are the words of Pharaoh. Verse 33. The Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. In other words, get out of here. We are so sick of you. All these plagues have happened, the death of the firstborn being the final one. And they said, we shall all be dead. So powerful was God's hand that they all thought they were going to die. So please leave. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Verse 35, now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them whatever they requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Move in power. Amen. You may be seated. I'd encourage you to take notes, uh, to take notes as we move along uh, in this message. I frequently pass notes to you, but not today uh, on purpose. Uh, wanted the freedom to uh, not be confined by my notes. We've been in a series called Fulfilled and that comes from Dr. James Morocco, our global senior pastor, seeking the Lord, just as a president would get a, uh, a, word for the United, a word for the U.S., you know, State of the Union address, if you will, for the U.S. every year. So we seek God for a word from the Lord every year. And this year, the word is fulfilled. So I started a series called Fulfilled, and we talked about dreams being fulfilled. How many of you know God has a dream for you? God has a hope for you. God has a plan for you. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a, and a future, not to harm you. Come on, somebody say, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. God's got a dream for you. And so we talked about dreams being fulfilled. And really, dreams, hopes, Vision, they're, 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 all those words can be synonymous when used as I'm giving it to you today. Dreams, hopes, visions are the beginning of a miracle. That's how God works. He speaks, then he acts, and he speaks again. Word, event, word. He speaks to a Moses. Moses goes, defeats Egypt, and comes back to the mountain of God. God speaks to him again. That is how God works. God speaks to his, his servant, man or woman, speaks to them. They move forward and he does what he said he was going to do. Then he speaks again. It's, it's progressive vision. Vision is progressive. I want you to say that. Vision is progressive. It's not static. It's, it, it, it changes. Because when you move forward in God, you'll find that all of a sudden he's given you more to believe for. He, if you're faithful in the little things, he makes you ruler over much. God's reward for being faithful in the vision, in the dream, in the hope is to give you more vision, more dreams, more hope. It used to be when I first came to the church oh so many years ago, I had a vision, I had hope, I had a dream of surviving one more week. And after I made it that week, I had a dream of making another week. And soon weeks turned to months, turned to something bigger, turned to my whole family saved, turned to having a better job, turned to becoming more like Christ, turned to getting rid of that anger problem I had, 
Don't, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Turn to the shaking myself free from, from apathy and uh, misunderstanding and, and breaking strongholds. And then, then God gave me a vision of Pastor Karen, hallelujah. Oh, yes, and I got married, and, and it's just continued on and on and on and on. Now, now, for me, for us, corporately, as a vision, we're believing for 500 churches by May. Now, that would take a major miracle, but it's happening. Everything that we're a part of is a major miracle. So one of the ways that God releases miracle power to you is by giving you a vision, by giving you a dream, by giving you a, a hope. Paul had a Macedonian man come to him in a dream, it was a, or a vision, rather. It was literally a Macedonian man appeared to him. He said, oh, I've never had anything like that. Well, that's okay. You can have a hope and a dream that's in your heart, a burden that comes from the Lord, like Nehemiah. And this is really a review of some of the things that we've been talking about. One of the things I've shared on Wednesdays about God's plan is a man. God's plan is a man. Say that. God's plan is a man. Now, before you think that's heresy, God's method, God's plan is using people. Angels can't preach the gospel currently in this dispensation, but in the book of Revelation, there's an angel that will come and be able to preach, just one, as I understand it. Isn't that right, Dr. Haggerty? But right now, angels can't do that. Only you can preach the gospel. Only you can share the good news. Why are we here? Why are you here today? He said, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to be my wife. Well, I'm glad you're here. Praise God. Just be careful. Amen. Someone say, be careful. I'm here to meet my husband. Be really careful. Come on, somebody say amen. I don't think that's wrong. It's better to find a wife or a husband in a church than find him at a bar. He said, no, I'm here to hear the word. Well, I'm, I'm glad you are. We're the church. We're the ecclesia. We're, we're the called out ones. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, let me read this to you. And he himself, notice the capital he, Ephesians 4 and 11, if you're all there, say, woo! And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping. Why did he give these five ministry offices? For the equipping. Equipping, equipping, let's just stop. Equipping for the saints, everybody say for the saints. Years ago, one of the first jobs I had uh, was in hazardous waste, removing asbestos, and, uh, which was a horrible job, but it paid really well. Back in the 80s when everybody was freaked out by asbestos instead of COVID-19. And COVID-19's real. I'm not mocking. I'm just not going to yield to fear. Come on, I'm, come on, somebody say hallelujah. I pray healing for all those that had it, all those that might have it. And if you have it, stay home. We'll pray for you, and you can be healed there too. Amen. Amen. And, I, and we grieve over people that lost loved ones and all that. I'm not trying to mock. I'm just saying you can't yield to, you can't yield to fear of cancer, year of COVID. You can't, you can't yield to fear of COVID. You can't yield to fear of anything. You've got to move forward in faith and have wisdom. Come on, somebody say Amen. amen. So it was a big thing about asbestos that it would just scar your lungs, and it does. It's a horrible thing. And so I went through all this training. I went through all this equipping to learn how to run a, a Type-C um, uh, compressor for respirators. 
And so, I remember so long ago, I can hardly remember any of it, I took a 40-hour course. There's all kinds of information on compressors and how it had to work right and, you know, how you had to test it and you have to do air quality tests and all of that stuff. I got equipped to run it, one of these compressors that provided air through airlines, through workers that would be inside construction sites so they would breathe oxygen and not asbestos dust. I was equipped. I got trained. Why is God training you? First of all, you come to church to receive training on ruling and reigning, one person said. We come to church to receive instruction on how to walk in power, how to have life and life abundant. John 10 and 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have Life and life to the full. Now, I didn't know how to balance a checkbook when I first came to the church. Now, some of you don't know what a checkbook is because they don't even use those anymore. Or a check register. I've learned how to have, I learned how to have a healthy marriage. I learned in the church how to, I got equipped here, how to take care of my finances. I learned how to pray. I learned how to fast. I learned how to contend. I learned how to walk by faith. I've been equipped through the five-fold ministry Offices, can you say amen? amen. That, that's why you're here to get equipped. First of all, let's talk about saints. To equip the saints. saints. Is, that, is that somebody who's dead for 500 years and then they vote down in, in Rome somewhere and then they become? No. There's no denomination that needs to vote to make you a saint. You're made a saint by the blood of the Lamb. The word in the Greek is hagios or holy one. Everybody say holy ones. You're made holy only one way. And that's by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin, and receiving him as the payment, the propitiation, the redeemer. He is your redeemer. You enter into the kingdom by receiving the king of the kingdom. If you never receive the king of the kingdom, you ain't in the kingdom. You could, you could, you could go to church. You could come and sit on the pew until, until you smell like a pew. You can't become part of the kingdom of God any more than standing in a garage can make you a, a muscle car, a 1967 Camaro. Felt the Holy Ghost first. Come on. Hey. So somebody fell out in the back right there. You stand in the garage as much as you want. It's not going to make you a car. You can put on a suit as much as you, as you want. It's not going to make you holy or make you a Christian. You can go to church, get baptized, have baptismal waters dripping off your face. You can still split hell wide open. You must receive Jesus as the pay. And that, that, that is called the good news. Everybody say good news. good news. The good news. Good news. The Yankees won the, the, the Super Bowl. <laughs> the, the Yankees. The, how many of you Yankees fans? You get news about sports. So let's say the, if you're, I'm a Yankees fan. They didn't win the World Series. But if the Yankees did win the World Series, you'd be like, guess what? The Yankees won the World Series. Yeah, let's go. Right? Good news, Yankees won. Okay. Good news, Johnny's come home from school. Good news, I don't have COVID no more. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say amen. Good news, cancer's gone into remission, but actually it means it's gone. Amen. Good news. The ultimate good news is that you don't have to be cursed anymore. The ultimate good news is you don't have to be bound anymore because of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. Sometimes we use Christianese, you know, on the cross of Calvary. I mean, like, is that like custard and his Calvary? No, Calvary's a place. It's a place, it's a hill called Golgotha, the skull where he died. 
because of what Jesus has done on that skull, on that hill, a place called Calvary, his blood cleanses you if you'll receive it by faith. And that is the ultimate good news is that you don't have to go to hell. The ultimate good news is you don't have to be bound. The ultimate good news is you don't have to be addicted. The ultimate good news is you can be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in the, come on somebody, that you can walk in the blessing of, that you can have life and life to the full, that you don't have to be somebody that goes out in the backyard and digs worms and hopes that one day God's gonna come and rescue you. He did rescue you by sending his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life God's got a plan for you that's the ultimate good news ultimate good news so we're in church today tonight Tuesday night transformations Tuesday night in Eagle River Wednesday we're back how you have so many services because we need to do a whole lot of equipping and we love each other. We like hanging out and we love the power of God coming down and God speaking. Amazing. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Come on, just invite the presence of the Lord. God, thank you to equip us, to disciple us. Hallelujah. The thing that stands out to me more prominent at this juncture in my life, I should say in this season, life is made of seasons, and when they, they come all together, it's the season of your whole life. And in every season, there's kairos moments. Chronos, as time goes by, kairos is time and destiny, a specific moment in a season. God's bringing us to a place of release, a place of power. There'll be those that miss it, and we grieve over that. You guys have been pastoring a long time. We've seen people come and people go. Seen people just overcome and people backslide straight to hell. Seen people throw their lives away for, for moments. A few moments of pleasure destroyed everything. I've seen people addicted, people gone back to like a dog to the vomit. My, my, my role as your pastor is to equip you, to teach you to walk in victory, to teach you how to walk by faith. Faith is how you unlock that which is in the unseen realm and bring it into the natural. Turn to Hebrews 10. I have in my hand a fob, which is, they're just unusual to me. And if you have this, you can start whatever it's connected to, whatever it's linked with. Apparently, it has a chip. And uh, this one also has a little key, but doesn't look like the keys of old. It looks very new. This is like faith. God has provision, a vehicle, blessing, favor, power, healing, Miracles, signs, wonders that cannot be accessed any other way except by faith. In the same way that this would start a vehicle, your faith unlocks that which is in the invisible. So why are you telling me this? Because I'm, I'm, I just came back from a trip and literally I've been a part of this King's Cathedral and Chapels worldwide now for 20, 
25 years. I've been a pastor for over 20. And I walked in into the natural what I had agreed in in prayer, but not like the person that's leading that. In other words, Pastor Chris Davis in Branson. I walked in and looked at a building that's completely finished that is down to the infinitesimal detail of everything he said. Everything he said, everything he believed for happened, and I went and walked through it. He doesn't need to believe for it anymore because it's, it's there. You might get this, I hope, this morning. Hebrews, are you all there? Now, we put chapters in it. Man, man puts chapters, but it's a letter written by, we're not sure who it's written by. That's why they say the writer of the book of Hebrews. Some say Paul, some say Apollos. We don't know. Hebrews 10, verse 39 says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back. So in other words, there are those who will shrink back. I was just talking about them. And if you did shrink back, why don't you wake up under the sound of my voice right now and come on home? Shrink back and are destroyed. But to those who have faith and are saved. And then we go to Hebrews 11. But let me just tell you that that's not how it's really read. It's read more this way. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, if I say seen, what do you immediately think of? Your eyes. Many people live this life by what they can see, by their senses, not what they can hear, what they can taste, what they can feel. If you're going to be used to bring a dimension of power and breakthrough in your marriage, in your family, in your, in your church, in your community, in the nation, we've got to learn to walk by faith. You've got to learn to take the key and, 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 and unlock the treasuries that God has for you. And by treasuries, I mean every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. Some people walk in favor. Other people never, never take out their spiritual fob. Never learn how to do it. If you come to this place, I'm going to teach you. I, I feel so compelled to, to teach you how to access what God says you can have. Real success is not about money. It's having what God says you can have, doing what God says you can do, and being who God says you can be. God wants to raise up a company of people that can bring miracles, that can bring his kingdom for the glory of God, can, heal, can bring healing and, and deliverance and provision of every kind. Come on, somebody say amen. The answer to America is a great awakening. That's the answer to America. How do you know? It's a sociological reality. How do you know? Simple. Go look through history and, and look what happens when the gospel, which means good news, when the good news, what's the ultimate good news? Jesus Christ died for, on a cross, rose again from the grave so that you could be free, so your names can be written in the Lamb's book of life so you can have life and life abundantly now and in the age to come. Can you say amen? amen. That's the ultimate good news. When that news comes to any culture on any continent, in any nation, in every, I mean, any tribe, when that good news comes, what happens is transformation. People no longer frequent the prostitutes. People no longer drink anymore. 
People no longer continue to do the things that they used to do because they're born again, they've been made new. And their allegiance is not to a man or to their flesh. Their allegiance becomes aligned with the kingdom. They, they serve God and love God and live for him. And they walk in blessing. And in one generation, a whole group of people, it's called, it's called elevation and lift. When the good news of Jesus hits and people receive it, then the whole, we need to invade the culture. The whole culture will change. I've told this story before. Culture is interesting. You study culture, how things came about. There was a tribe in Africa. They used to file their teeth into sharp points. When the gospel came, they received it with joy. They were all born again. And they noticed in the course of the years of, of salvation and discipleship and all that began to take place, in the course of the years in that tribe, that they stopped filing the teeth. And when asked... Why do they not need, why don't you file your teeth anymore? They said, well, we filed our teeth before to scare demons. But now Jesus has come and we don't need to scare demons anymore because the blood, and, and they no longer filed their teeth because they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of the blood of Jesus. And when they woke up in the morning, their names were known in heaven and feared in hell and they took authority over demon power and they needed to sharpen their teeth to scare off any demons to change the whole culture. How, are we, how do we get our nation transformed? Simple. You get transformed. You get transformed. You, get tra- you, 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 me, all of us. All of us become more like Jesus and begin to vote according to Scripture and live it, not just sit as a Monday morning quarterback. Well, you see him fall down the stairs. Shut up. You've fallen downstairs yourself. How about let's transform our culture by living on fire for God and declaring the truth of his word? Come on. Come on, somebody. That's the answer. Be finger pointing. By the way, you're going to be older one day too. My God. Let's have a praise break. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be blessed. Say, God wants to bless me. That understanding, that concept in the Hebrew mind in scriptures is called shalom. It's nothing missing, nothing, nothing broken, but it's, it's blessed. It means this. Let me read it to you. Completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, Safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, absence of agitation or discord. Shalom comes from the root verb shalom, meaning to be complete, perfect, and full. They were still greeted in Israel and by Jews, shalom. Say, do we need to use that word? No, you don't. But it is a powerful understanding that that's what God wants to give you and your whole family. He wants to give you, he wants to give our community, he wants to give our nation shalom. And apart from God, it does not come. John, 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. It's more than just a a nice greeting. It's a revelation. Some of you need to change the way that you, we all need to change the way that we think. Some of you need to rearrange your mental furniture maybe more than others. We're all in process of becoming more like Christ as we renew our mind. 
Some of you are not settled that God wants to bless you, that God wants to bless you and your family and your babies and your, your children, your, your, your money, your physical body. He wants to bless you. He wants to give the shalom, the completeness, the wholeness. In war-torn Korea, a man by the name of Dr. Yonggi Cho started the church, Uedo Full Gospel Church was considered to be the largest church in the world. I think there's a church now in Nigeria that, that rival that. That third John 2 there is emblazoned across the entryway that you would prosper being healthy even as your soul prospers. That church started with a ripped U.S. military tent and about five people. And it became millions of people. And they, they were so broke and so so broken in that nation that they would peel bark off of trees and eat it after Korean War. That's what they ate for food. They're so destitute. And now South Korea is one of the strongest economic powers in the earth. And it is a Christian country. The reason America has been so blessed is because that it was a Christian country. Lots of problems. I understand. Racism, all kinds of issues. Yes, I get it. But the reason we've been blessed is because God has blessed America. One nation under God, indivisible. But that is not, that, that, that's changing if we don't stand up. I'm just telling you, it's changing. I'm going to do my best, my level best. We'll stand before God in the end. I'm going to do my best to vote God's word, my conscience according to God's word. I'm going to do my best to stand. All right, let's look at this text. It's, uh, it's fulfillment of vision. Provision fulfilled. Verse 35, we read it. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. The word of Moses, first of all, I need to say that this prophetic word that they would leave Egypt started 650 years. Abraham. God told Abraham, and I'll read it to you. It's three different verses of scripture in the Old Testament that talk about this. Genesis 15, 14, and a nation whom they will serve, I will judge afterward. They will come out with great possessions. It's talking about Egypt. And in Exodus 3 and 2, I'll give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And as you'll be when they go, they will not go empty-handed. Every woman shall ask their neighbor, this is Exodus 3. This is, this is long before Exodus 12. Exodus 11, speak now in the hearing of the people, let every man ask his neighbor. The text that we read in Exodus Exodus 12 is the fulfillment of that prophetic promise. How many of you want to see promises fulfilled? All right. Provision is certainly one of them. And then the truth is that all fulfillment of promises in, in, in these final seven minutes that I preach to you, all fulfillment of promises really kind of happen the same way. It's by faith. The largest transference of wealth took place in all of history, some say. 1.2 million people went and asked their neighbors for stuff. And if they asked for a ring, you know, I mean, it's hard to say what they asked for. I mean, they knock on your door. I mean, they knock on your door. I mean, how, how much jewelry do you have in your house? I, my wife has a fair amount. Some of it's, some of it's a costume stuff that's all, you know, bling, paparazzi stuff. And uh, others of it is not cubics. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, like gold, Right. So if somebody comes to knock on my house, of course, I'm not an Egyptian, and you wouldn't want to come to my house unless you meet Brother 45. <laughs> Just saying. 
give me your jewelry. I mean, think about your, think about your wife's jewelry box. The ladies are like, I don't have any jewelry. Okay, I need more jewelry. <laughs> but think about what, what they would haul from your home if they came. So I don't think they just gave him a little ring. Here, here's, your, here's the one ring I have, and, uh, and uh, here's my coat. First of all, why would he even give them clothes? Why, why, why would God do that? Well, I, there's a number of reasons, okay? God would do it for a number of reasons. One, they worked for 430 years, and God was paying them. I believe he was paying them for all their, it was payback. How many of you how many of you are looking for some payback? How many of you the devil took some stuff from you? It's time for payback. The devil took some stuff from me. It's time to give me my stuff back. Payback. So I think they were getting their wages. I think also it's a way of God just saying that he's good. I think it's also a way of God providing for what they would then do. They would build a tabernacle. Where do you think they got all the cloth? Where do you think they just wove that? Do you think they had a loom out in the in the wilderness? You didn't have a loom in the wilderness. Where did they get all the fabric? Where did they get the gold for the ark? Where did they get it? They got it from the Egyptians. They plundered them. And when they came, think about, think about that. Everyone, every single Egyptian was grieving. Very inconvenient. And I've found in the kingdom, if we're going to move forward, I've found many times it's inconvenient. Many times I do not feel like moving forward. Now, I, I don't know why that is. Other times I'll charge hell with a water pistol. But then there's times where I've found the greatest release of provision and breakthrough of miracles is when the last thing I want to do is do that. But I do it by the grace of God because I know it's the right thing or I know he told me to do it, even though my flesh screams, don't go, like shut up. Inconvenient, there is going to be a great transfer of wealth. Now this, this number, the scholars say, is about $12 billion transferred in one moment, one night, one day, boom. I don't know how long it took him to get all the stuff, but about 12 billion. God is going to release supernatural provision for you. The Lord showed me some of the things that are going to happen in these next few years. And it could be very disconcerting if I wasn't attached to the kingdom. There are those that are talking about hyperinflation, all kinds of things happening. There is definitely the handwriting on the wall, but I want you to know that there's a God in heaven who, whose foundations are righteousness and truth, and he is my source. The government is not my source. People aren't my source. God is my source. His paving company is gold. So if God uses gold as we would use asphalt, I don't think I have anything to worry about. I'm his son. I've been grafted in. I've been adopted. He is my heavenly father. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father will give to them that ask? Give the Holy Spirit to ask. Depends on what scripture you looked at in different ways to speak that forth. But I'm going to tell you, if you're connected to heaven, I'm not participating in recession. If there is one, I'm not... I'm watching gas prices go up. I'm watching all kinds of, I mean, you could get a little, un, it could be a little unnerving. Everyone in Egypt is grieving. Notice the time. Everyone's grieving. Everyone's hurting. All of them have, every house has dead in it, except for those who have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lentils of their home. So how many of you are firstborn? We've done this before. Raise your hand if you're the firstborn in your family. Okay, if the blood wasn't on your house and you would be dead. How many of you have a dog? All right, if your dog was the first in its litter, it would be dead. How many have a gerbil? 
It would also be, how many of you have cats? All cats died, actually, some scholars say. <laughs> that's not true. That's, that's not true. Okay, you're right. That's not true. But if it was the, the first cat in its litter, it would be dead. Anything born first was dead. Now, I have been in homes where there has been incredible grief. I've been in homes where, where parents were going to have to bury their children. We've had our own grief, the loss of a child. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know if you've ever experienced grief like that. When your mom dies, your dad dies, or close family dies. But there's a wailing, there's a grief that can be heard that it's like nothing else. The wailing of people that are grieving is like nothing else. Okay, I've, I've heard it like one house or a family, I've heard it. Can you imagine a whole city? A whole city wailing. The whole nation of Egypt is wailing. And that is the day that Moses says, okay, go get your jewelry and your clothes. And so they go, very inconvenient time, even rude, and they knock, and they say, hey, Moses told me to come, and just get out already. I mean, we're going, we're going. Can I have some clothes? Yes, you have all the clothes you want. You have any jewelry too? And they, and they, and they plunder Egypt. I'm gonna tell you that it is inconvenient to knuckle down and be a real good steward of your finances because you could just want to go and spend it. It's inconvenient to go get educated and to learn how to handle your money, learn how to be a good steward. It's inconvenient to your flesh to work hard, get another job, work two jobs. It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. Your flesh doesn't want to move forward that way. It's inconvenient to show up to morning prayer, but oh, I love what it does for me. It's inconvenient. Somebody said, well, I'm just tired on Sundays. You must have banged your head or something. You know, th this service is not only equipping you, it's releasing faith, and not only that, it's, it's, it's preparing you for what's ahead. Apparently, I was supposed to be concluded 20 seconds ago. How did it take place? I'll, I'll begin to wrap this up. If I could have keys, please. It gave them favor. God gave the Israelites favor, verse 36. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them whatever they requested. You know, favor's not fair. And favor follows people that are walking rightly with God. I'm gonna tell you something. Favor follows people that are rightly related to God. You say, do you have favor? Lots of it. Really? How do you know? I, I don't know. Just everywhere we go, we get a deal. We get the right parking. The thing happened. I'm, you know, just uh, get the right seat, get the right right place, right time. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. How does that happen? How come you're all going, I don't know. Goodness and mercy. Follow me everywhere I go. It's not my fault. Talk to God. I'm just trying to live for him as best I can. Favor. Favor comes by living rightly for God. You know, they obeyed. So many people think that the blessing of God is just going to happen because you showed up. That, you, that God should thank you that you came to church today. Listen, I'm glad you came. You ought to keep coming. 
It's like showing up for the 40-hour time of equipping that I got to run a type C respiration system back in the 80s. Before some of you were born. But I showed up, qualified, and I got a big fat paycheck by sitting in front of a compressor watching gauges. You want the favor of God, you've got to, come on, if you love me, you'll obey my word, Jesus said. They had to obey Moses, even though it's inconvenient. They're all crying. I know they're all crying. Go ask him for all their stuff. I don't want to. All right, well, then fine. And somebody else gets it. You know, I've, I've been on a, I have a structured way that I need to eat, and it's honestly, it's probably for the rest of my life. I, I, I love eating sugar. Krispy Kreme, I think, are pretty much the closest thing to manna when the light's on at Krispy Kreme and those things are coming off the belt. Probably the closest thing to manna. Either that or it's a sugar demon. I'm not sure which. So we went through this. I'm just going to wrap myself out. Went through this whole conference just last weekend. Miracles, signs, wonders. Um, amazing, just amazing what God did. I thank you for praying for us. God showed up in power. And we give God all the praise. After the conference was over on Monday, we found ourselves in Branson, Missouri. How many of you know where that is? All right, it's in Missouri. And we're like walking in the mall and, you know, shopping and looking for stuff that we don't really need. How many of you know what that's like? But it was fun having. And we came, we turned the corner, and oh, Paula Dean. I mean, you know what Paula Dean says. And I thought, oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And I, I just looked at my wife, looked at my son. I'm like, man, Paula Dean. <laughs> they have nothing in there practically that we could eat. So I thought all I, all I wanted was a biscuit. Because their biscuits. Oh, Lord. Oh, the biscuits. All oh, the biscuits from Paula Dean. Yeah. So we went in, John. We went in. It was a big mistake. We went in, and a biscuit turned to fried chicken. A biscuit turned to smothered pork chops. A biscuit turned into it. I mean, they threw down. They just threw down all this food. And I was just going to have one biscuit, but I don't know what happened. We ended up asking for more butter and another, another thing of biscuits. And then before you know it, I had another biscuit and I had a biscuit after that. And then, and then I had fried chicken and everything, and, and uh, we ate. Unbeknownst to us, there was another meal that was planned. We were to meet up with some other folks, and we went to this guy's restaurant. In fact, the name is Guy something. It said... Yeah, whatever his name is, the guy with the little goat and drives a cool hot rod car. You know what I'm talking about? Drive-ins, dive-ins, or whatever it is, and more or something. That guy. He had a restaurant there. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be amazing. I'm totally full, but praise the Lord. I'm already feeling sick from the biscuit. We go, and they say, you've got to have the burger, the, the mac and cheese burger and all this stuff, and it's like this massive thing. I hate macaroni and cheese, but everybody else got that. I just got the burger. I thought I would split it with my wife, but she had her own burger. And before you know it, I had a whole other dinner on top of Paula's. 
We walked out of there and just thinking, oh, oh, God. Oh. And I'm thinking to myself, I know I got Tums somewhere. I, I haven't used them in years, but they're in my somewhere in my bag, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and so we go home. And chocolate chip cookies come out, which are like, that's my kryptonite right there. Chocolate chip cookies are like kryptonite. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, and made by, by Pastor Melissa. She can throw down the chocolate chip cookies. And then the ice cream. Not just any ice cream, Hagen dazs Oh man. And we ate that and I ate that and I piled that on and then and then we're playing games and I start seeing things. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I start getting a fever. By the time I go to bed, I'm in full-blown, full-blown like COVID symptoms. <laughs> I don't know why I had COVID, got healed. It seems like everything, COVID, COVID, when you get a cold or something like. That thing was traumatic, man. I lie down and I'm, I'm lying there so sick. I have a fever, I have chills, I have flu symptoms. And Pastor Karen is so spirit-filled. She doesn't say one, she ate perfectly, of course. She didn't say one thing. And I come under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord speaks to me and says, son, why did you do that? Man, I don't know. I don't know. And he says, if you repent, I'll heal you. Which is kind of quite a word. Does that mean if I don't repent, I'm going to die? Is that what that means? So I didn't really argue with the Lord, I'm just like, I'm sorry, God. Ah. But I did think about, like, could I have killed myself just now? <laughs> and I go to sleep. I'm honestly, I, I was not right for three days. This is this week. This is last Monday. This is a week ago tomorrow. <laughs> if you're going to walk in favor, somebody, listen, spiritually speaking, you need to get rid of the biscuits. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Say, mm, yeah. I don't mean you can't eat biscuits. I'm just saying, if God told you to eat a certain way or live a certain way and you don't, and you expect you're gonna have the shakalaka, it ain't gonna happen. You think you're gonna walk in the shakinaw, which is a southern, western Kentucky way of saying shakina, shakinaw. You think you're going to walk in the shack and all, God? You're going to walk in no shack and all? <laughs> but I've said too much already. <laughs> Raise your hands to God. You're here to be equipped to rule and reign. You're here to be equipped to walk by faith. You're here to be equipped to learn how to take the key and unlock the door and see the power of God put on display in your home and your family. Come on, you're seeing, you're here, a peculiar people brought out of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're here, why? So that you can walk in the blessing of God, not just about going to heaven, because you'd be dead the second you prayed the sinner's prayer. And if you haven't done that in a moment, I'm gonna give you a, an opportunity to remedy that. You must be born again, but being born again then means to live out this life of salvation with fear and trembling.
learning to step away from the biscuits. Well, I'm not telling you not to eat biscuits. I can't eat biscuits. You should stop being an adulterer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, did I get, did I get all up in your, in your, get up in your craw? You should put away your pornography. Hey, you put biscuits for me, and I repented. And he's doing some deep work on the inside of me. You know what's so funny is I'm, I'm, I'm transparent to a fault at times. I've had people criticize me and say, you, you should not be that transparent. And I was just going to share something. The Lord's like, you're not sharing that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, it's not some big, wicked, heinous thing. We all have issues. God will change us so that he can change our nation, change our family. How do we change a nation? How do we change a state? How do, we, how do we change things? Simply, you get changed. You become more like Jesus. You be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come on, you learn to walk by faith. You, get, you put up the things that are destroying you. Take every thought captive and make it obedient. Come on, we, we take every thought. We cast down every stronghold, every high and lofty thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. You deal with it. You smite it. You plead the blood. You learn to live life. Learn to have a healthy marriage. Learn to be a good father. Learn to be a good mother. Learn to handle your finances right. Learn to walk in transformation. Can you say amen? Learn to release the provision of God. Be a tither. Be a giver. Be a good steward. Put your, cut your credit cards up if you have a problem. Deal with it. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.